0: Welcome to the North Sound Church podcast. For more information about North Sound Church, please visit our website at northsoundchurch.com.
1: I wanted to say a word about um, our Sunday morning uh, practices here at North Sound. We were so excited about 10 days ago when the CDC and um, our state indicated that we would be able to unmask and be able to uh, enjoy uh, the freedom that came from having vaccinations, and so we were just going to use the honor system and trust that you would be able to do that at North Sound. Unfortunately, um, throughout the pandemic, it seems like a word comes down and then the details come later. Uh, some of you familiar with the fine fine print, you know they say read the fine print. So the fine print um, indicated that we would need to um, look at your vaccination cards. And we didn't want to be in the business uh, as a church of looking at vaccination cards. And so we decided that uh, rather than look at vaccination cards and have a vaccine area and a non-vaccinated area, um, that we would just continue, hopefully for just a few weeks, to wear masks. And uh, we're hoping that by the end of uh, June, uh, we'll all be able to engage together with some greater level of freedom. Um, Unfortunately, the the pandemic and its response has become politicized, and so um, there are are churches that do things and handle things differently. Um, We decided from the very beginning that we would try to follow the the guidelines because we didn't want to find ourselves trying to um, defend um, the the deviations that we might need to do from that. Um, In the midst of the politicization of this, you need to know that we that it's not political for us. It's not a left or a right. It's just simply trying to get through the season by following the guidelines that have been given to us. So thank you so much for your understanding. I know it's difficult, uh, but we are looking forward to being free of uh, masks and being able to have coffee when we come in and uh, hopefully club grub before very long and getting back to some semblance uh, of normal. I realize that I don't often share with you, as often as I should, the good news of things that we're involved in in ministry that you might not be aware of. You are probably aware that we plant Anglican churches, and there's a long story behind that. And if you you don't know why that is the case or you have questions, please uh, feel free to talk to us uh, about that. Uh, But we also are engaged in church planting with the association of churches that we're a part of called Converge, and specifically in this area, Converge Northwest, and we participate actively in the North Sound Church Planting Network, and we have helped... Financially, um, probably somewhere between 10 and 15 converged churches get started. And just this week, we will be sending out fairly large checks to two uh, new converged church plants. One is an Iranian church that will be beginning uh, in, at uh, Kenmore Community Church, and the other is Immersion Church, Uh, Up in uh, Mount Vernon. And so my thanks to you for your giving, which allows us to make these contributions to help these churches move ahead. Additionally, um, between what the elders set aside uh, in terms of our missions funding and your gifts, we've been able to send about $35,000 to India To make a difference over there in the midst of what's going on. So again, thank you. Thank you for your giving. Um, Some of us can go, some of us can do things, and some of us can give. And right now in this season, uh, we have the privilege of giving, and I want to thank you for that. Well, we begin a new sermon series today uh, called The Art of Neighboring, and it's going to take us uh, through the next few weeks, I think up until Father's Day, And I invite you to join us in this adventure because we are going to have an opportunity to learn more about the great commandment that God gave us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves. If you look down in front of me here, we have a beautiful liturgical hanging. Uh, it's red. You've noticed a change from the white that we had for the Easter season, and these help us mark the seasons of the church year. Today is Pentecost Sunday, as Pastor Allen mentioned. It's the Sunday in which we remember the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it's very appropriate that as we begin talking about neighboring, that it's Pentecost Sunday in which we we begin this. In the first chapter of Acts, we have recorded Jesus' promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 6, we read, So when they came together... They asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So friends, the disciples had wondered with the coming of Jesus, with his death and resurrection, if the kingdom of God had fully come, if it was like, okay, is is all the stuff you talked about all over? And Jesus said, no, the kingdom of God has begun with me, um, but we haven't yet seen the end of the kingdom. And that timing only God knows. But in the meantime, in this season, You are to be my witnesses beginning in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and then around the world. And we are a part of the response of that message because Pentecost was when the Holy Spirit was poured out to enable them to fulfill that mission. And we are living in that season in which the Holy Spirit has been poured out on us as well to complete the mission of God to carry forward the good news. Now, the disciples were in Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit was poured out, when this mission was given. And so, we see that that it was right where they lived, where the message and the mission began. And so, for us, too, we could say to Edmonds, to Washington State, to the United States to the entire world, if we were to put it in more modern language. But notice it begins at home, it begins in the place where we live. So, we're gonna spend some time talking about God's commandment to love our neighbors. And at North Sound, um, we are a group of pretty ordinary people, all things considered, but we can make an extraordinary difference in our community by being good neighbors. Now, we're turning a noun, neighbor, into a verb, neighboring. And I actually haven't looked in the dictionary to see if neighboring is an official word. But in fact, we're going to make it such, at least for the next four weeks, as we talk about engaging with love for our neighbors. A neighbor is more than something that we are, the noun, but it's a verb. Being a neighbor, loving our neighbors, is something that we do. And those of you that have really good memories may recall that we touched on this a few years ago at North Sound as well. Neighboring can be a challenge, can't it, if we're honest? If I asked you to raise your hand, and I'm not going to, but I bet almost everybody in the room would say that neighboring can be a challenge, and I bet most of you would have a story to share. A lady uh, shared that one morning she was in her kitchen, her son was still asleep, her little boy was still asleep, and she heard the neighbor's dog begin to howl, and it was a long, continuous, growing louder kind of a howl, and this long, drawn-out sound was really tough, and so before going into work, she went and knocked on the neighbor's door and she said, listen, I'm so sorry to disturb you, but my, my 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 little guy's still sleeping, and I'm wondering if you could ha- have your dog quieten down a little bit. She said at that moment, a scowl broke out on her neighbor's face, and she said, that was me singing. <laughs> so neighboring can be challenging, can't it? And the, the big idea for this series is that We need to connect our stories with our neighbor's stories, with God's story. And so, not to disappoint you, there are three points for you today, and I invite you to follow along closely, and also encourage you to keep your Bible open to the text that Sean read for us from Luke 10. So... We're going to consider this story from a little different angle. Again, just a few weeks ago, we unpacked the story. And so we're not going to spend a lot of time digging deep into certain areas. But I want to to come at it from a slightly different angle that will help us with what we're talking about today. This week, we're talking about the the art of neighboring and what it's like to neighbor. Next week, we're going to talk about some of the barriers that we have to being good neighbors. And then uh, we're going to look at how it can be a bit messy uh, along the way as well. So this passage we're going to focus on today is quite familiar. And I don't want to, um, I I don't want to have to reread it with Sean having read it for us. Uh, It's a fairly lengthy passage, but you know the story. Um, There was a lawyer, um, sometimes in the King James Version described as a scribe, uh, a, a biblical scholar in some sense, a religious person who was an expert at the Jewish law. And so he comes up to Jesus, and if you remember in Jesus' ministry, they often tried to trip him up to get him to say something that he wouldn't want to, that that, that would get him into trouble uh, by saying the wrong thing. And so here they asked him what the greatest commandment was, and Jesus responded with the famous commandment, or actually he he turned it back on the guy and said, what do you say? And he, and he gave, in fact, the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you answered correctly, just do this now and, and you will live. But it says in our, our verse here, he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, and who's my neighbor? So we find here that the, the, the lawyer correctly described the Old Testament law. Love God and love your neighbor. Loving God comes from Deuteronomy 6.5. It's called the great Shema. Uh, Love the Lord and then love your neighbor comes from the Old Testament book of Leviticus 19 verse 18. And it's essentially what the texts mean is that we are to love God wholeheartedly. And having done that and living in that kind of relationship with God, now we're positioned to be able to love our neighbors in a way that reflects the love that we have with God. So that might have been the end of the conversation, except the lawyer now gives it a little twist. And the scripture says in order to justify himself. So he he wants to apparently look good. And so he says to Jesus, OK, I get it. But who's my neighbor? And that's where Jesus responds with this famous story of the Good Samaritan. I've called the second point looking for loopholes. Jesus tells the story here of A man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho who fell among robbers. Probably shouldn't have been on the road by himself. It was a notoriously dangerous road. He's stripped. He's beaten. He's laying by the side of the road. And a priest, it says by chance, goes down the road. And when he saw him, he he diverts his path and goes by on the other side. And a Levite, which is another religious leader, in this case associated with the temple in Jerusalem, he comes to the place, saw him, and passed by the other side also. So what Jesus says by chance, what could have been a stroke of good luck, is this priest coming by, and he should have been saved. One would have expected one who was in relationship with God, a priest, would also have the heart of compassion to minister to this individual beside the road, but that's not what happened. The Levite, another religious person, comes by. Salvation at last for this man, but alas, that's not the case. And in fact, they both leave the poor man to die. Now, if we're honest, when it comes to neighboring, I think we have to admit that often we also look for loopholes. You may say to me, well, you can say that, pastor, but you don't know my neighbors. It's not easy to love the guy that plays loud music late at night or my neighbors don't cut the grass. They've got junk in the yard. Their house desperately needs painting. They bring down all our property values. The kids are on drugs. You know the litany. There there are things like that if we want to look for them. Let's face it, it's been a tough year for neighboring everywhere, including in our fine city of Edmonds. I don't know if any of you, like me, read uh, my Edmonds News, read the police blotter. Do any of you read the police blotter on my Edmonds News? Yeah. So, so it kind of uh, keeps you updated on what's going on. Um, if your car has a catalytic converter, watch out. There is a rash of thefts of people quickly climbing under the car with a saw and pulling off catalytic converters, um, and it's been going on for, uh, for weeks, so, um, so be careful. But um, beyond catalytic converters, there's a whole bunch of other things. Many of them fall into the same kinds of categories, people that have been trespassed from a business because they were shoplifting or they failed to, uh, to pay for a lunch that they went in and ate, those kind of things. Uh, but what was particularly interesting to me was a problem amongst neighbors up on Talbot Road. And I began to follow this over time on My Edmunds News. And so here, here are the, uh, <clears throat> the reports from My Edmunds News. <clears throat> September 25th, 8200 block Talbot Road. Complaint of someone throwing trash and dog poop in victim's yard. September 30, 8200 block Talbot Road, a resident reported another incident in ongoing issue of subject depositing trash on his property. October 9th, 8200 block Talbot Road, a resident was arrested for trespassing and depositing unwholesome substances on a neighboring property, whatever that is, I'm not quite sure. And then it goes on, um, they they must be in the 8200 and 8100 block, because 8100 block Talbot wrote a resident reported vandalism to front lawn. And then on December 10th, 8100 block Talbot wrote a resident discovered garbage in front of residents with a neighbor suspected. It's probably hard to love your neighbor when they're putting stuff on your lawn and when the Situation has escalated in the way that it apparently has up on Talbot Road. But God calls us to de escalate things. He calls us to be people of peace. He calls us to love our neighbors. But you know, it's hard sometimes loving those that are close to us, sometimes that's the most challenging. And so we look for loopholes. For Barb and me, our loopholes haven't been so much about the nature of our neighbors as it was our lives. Until last year, Barb worked full-time with the UW, and of course I was full-time. Both of our jobs are with people for most of the day. And uh, so what, what, what happened for us, being slightly introverted, was by the end of the day we were tired and not really feeling a whole lot of energy to then engage with our neighbors. Well, now, since the pandemic has been on, Barb has retired, and so our loophole seems to be closing. You can pray for us that we're going to do much better in that regard. The third thing I want to suggest for us is, in fact, about looking for opportunities. So the Samaritan comes along in our passage, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He bound up his wounds. He put him on his donkey, took him to the uh, hotel made sure that he was looked after, gave money and said, if this isn't enough, I'll give more next time I come through. We were introduced to this fellow from Samaria, a Samaritan. And last time we talked about this, I mentioned that this is an example, a clear cut example of racism in the scripture. Samaritans were looked down on because of their racial category It's blatant racism. And uh, and yet Jesus made this person that was looked down on by the Jews, the hero of the story. And so we see the priest and the Levite were looking for loopholes, but the Samaritan was looking for opportunities and opportunities will come our way. Jesus went on to say this. He said to the lawyer, which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. So this is a well-known parable. We've, we've talked about it twice now in the last three weeks or so. And the question is ours as well. Who is your neighbor? Which of these has responded as a neighbor? Who loves his neighbor? Sometimes, friends, we can think about our neighbors in abstract terms, just sort of generically think about our neighbors. And have you found that loving your neighbors in the abstract isn't too hard? It's actually loving those flesh and blood people that live around us that is more of a challenge. When Jesus said we need to love our neighbor, it might be good for us to start with our real neighbors. In fact, the Greek in the passage here suggests that it's a geographical neighborhood, it begins with us, it begins with our Jerusalem, our Edmonds, our street, our neighborhood, those who are close to us, near us, our real live neighbors. Norma Cook at 89 years of age and Chris Salvatore at 31 years of age became friends living across from each other in an apartment in in uh, uh, West Hollywood, California. And after Cook, Norma, at 89 years of age, spent two months in the hospital with pneumonia and breathing problems. She was going to be discharged, but in order to be discharged, the doctors insisted that she have 24-hour care. She couldn't afford 24-hour care, and so Chris Salvador, her neighbor across the hall, just 31 years of age, um, got a a GoFundMe platform, raised $77,000 to provide care for her in her home so that she could come home. But many of you know that with that kind of care, $77,000 runs out very quickly. And so at the end of that period, she was now facing a situation of going into a home with with Medicaid, or um, basically that was what her future held. But Chris, her neighbor, had come to love her in such a way that he said to her, he said, Norma, would you like to come and live with me? And so Norma left her apartment, moved across the hall, and lived with Chris for a month, and he cared for her for that month until she passed away. The last thing she did, Chris says, is this. He says, she put her arm around my neck. She was so weak, I don't know how she did it, and pulled me in and kissed me and said, I love you. Friends, when we built our home, when Barb and I built our home in Edmonds, we were concerned about... Uh, the nature of the building process and whether we could afford it and how it was going up and all the host of decisions that needed to be made around that. We actually gave very little thought to our neighbors, but it's important to realize for us and for you that God has us where he has us for a reason. We are living where we're living for a reason We're reminded of this in Acts 17, where we read, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined the allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places. They should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. Let me read part of that again. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. Here's the important part, having determined allotted periods, the boundaries of their dwelling places. I want to conclude this morning with an application for us in our lives. We've never really seen anything quite like the pandemic that we have been through this last year. None of us have seen it in our lifetimes. I've never seen a time when our nation has been more polarized. We continue to experience the ongoing culture wars between the right and the left. We have the ongoing results of the election last fall and the invective that's flying back and forth in media. And we tend to choose our media outlet of choice that reinforces our already preconceived ideas. Former Mayor Gary Hawkinson attempted to lower the temperature in our community when, as the president of the board of the Waterfront Center and the senior center, Uh, he talked about how in the midst of the pandemic, we need to choose kindness. And somebody picked up on that and signs began to appear. And in fact, we as a church and Barb and I individually um, had a sign on our lawn that said, we choose kindness. Many of you did as well. And in fact, I noticed uh, Steve Shelton across the street has a sign uh, up on his lawn. And what was interesting though, was that near us shortly after we put the sign up, we choose kindness was down the street, another sign popped up that said, we choose change. And, and, I, and I was taken aback with the thought that you can't have both kindness and change. Perhaps we could have change with kindness, but it seems like we have the yard sign wars going on. And some of you may find yourself offended just driving down the street, in fact, to see messages that are conveyed but friends, we need to choose to love regardless. Paul writes in Galatians 5, verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Think about this. Could that be really true? We're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves. The left-wing Democrat that lives two houses down, we're supposed to love them as we love ourselves the right-wing, far-right extremist that lives in our neighborhood. We're supposed to love that person as we love ourselves. The one whose dog barks incessantly, we're supposed to love, and the guy who doesn't mow his lawn, we're supposed to love. So now we've been cooped up for a year, and we're now beginning to come out. And We find ourselves in the Northwest in that community where folks drive up pop the garage door in the winter time, the garage door goes down and we have almost nothing to do with our neighbors for about six months. And now it's the season when things are opening up, not only from the winter, but things are beginning to open up from the pandemic and we're actually beginning to feel more comfortable talking with our neighbors and getting out and about around us and beginning to engage in community. This summer, we want to try to help you to become good neighbors, hence this series being offered now in May and June. And if you're going to love your neighbors, you have to begin by knowing who they are. So I close this morning. I'm going to uh, offer just a very brief video that will help us to kind of understand this a little bit better.
2: In January of 2009, a group of pastors came together to dream about what it would look like to join our congregations together and to really make a difference in our community. In order to understand the big issues that those in our city are facing, we decided to invite in the mayor of Arvada.
1: About a year ago, I met with a group of pastors who asked me what's the uh, best way they could help serve our city. There are a lot of issues that face our community, but the majority of them could be drastically reduced if we would just become a community of good neighbors. The mayor of our city just asked us to obey the scriptures, to take Jesus seriously when he said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. The mayor said that to a group of pastors. That's convicting. That's embarrassing actually.
2: We knew that there was something very powerful in the fact that one of the leaders of our city was inviting us to start a movement in which we rediscover the art of neighboring. A couple months later, we came back together and this time uh, just to pray and to think about what we had heard. And we invited Vicki Ryer, who was the assistant city manager. And Vicky again, said something in passing, just like Bob had done, that just stopped us in our tracks.
1: I've been working at the city about, I don't know, 14, 15 years. I've been dealing with neighbors, neighborhoods, community issues. And i got to be honest with you, from the city's perspective, there's not a lot of difference between the way Christians and non-Christians neighbor.
2: That was the moment that really cemented for many of us in the room that we needed to do something
0: together. This is your house. These are your neighbors' houses. How many of these neighbors do you know by name? Go ahead, try to name them. If you're like most people these days, you probably only know a few of your neighbors by name. We have garages for our cars, privacy fences for our backyards, and we seem to be perpetually busy. You're doing pretty well if you wave or say hi as you're passing by. But what if we did more? What if we made it a point to learn the names of the people who live on our block? What if we took the time to listen to our neighbors and find out what makes them tick? What if our neighborhoods relied on each other in times of need, whether it be for a cup of flour or a shoulder to cry on? What if Jesus really meant that we should love our actual neighbors? Imagine the difference you could make in your neighborhood if you got to know your neighbors better. Imagine the difference you could make in your community if you partnered with others who had a desire to become better neighbors. Imagine the difference it could make in our cities if local churches were working together to make this a reality. You don't have to imagine very hard,
1: it's happening. So Barb and I know some of our neighbors fairly well, <clears throat> those closest to us, but there are others in our neighborhood and on our street um, that are essentially strangers to us. And, and what we're advocating <clears throat> here from the scripture is that we move from having a relationship with others that are essentially strangers. We, we, we don't know them. Um, we may smile or we may even wave, but we have no idea who they are. To actually becoming acquaintances, to getting to know their names, to beginning to know them a little bit deeper, but eventually getting to the place of relationship where we actually have an opportunity to love on them because we love best in the context of relationship. And so, friends, this morning, I want to remind you that neighboring creates opportunities to connect our stories with their stories, with God's story. And when we connect, In that way, we are able to connect with God's love. You see, the cross and the resurrection, the season that we have just been through, the season that we have been reminded of in Easter and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we remember today gives us that relationship with God that is not something that we keep to ourselves. It's not something that we just take joy in in ourselves. But friends, good news is for sharing. God says the great commandment is to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and living out of the power of God within us, the love that we have received from him, we have an overflow that causes us to love those around about us. Friends, today let's move from considering neighbors in just some hypothetical way to actually beginning to love our real Actual live neighbors. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you this morning for your word, and we thank you for the guidance that it provides to our lives. Today, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ that we would not only know your love, but we would also know, Lord, the mission you've given us, the mission that begins in our Jerusalem, that begins here in Edmonds and Shoreline and Mount Lake Terrace and Linwood and Mukilteo and wherever we may live, that, Lord, we are called to love our neighbors as ourselves. And I pray, Lord, you would help us to be able to do that effectively and fulfill the great commandment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.